Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 23rd of November, 2024. Flyers Daily, as always, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. What a big weekend this is for the Flyers and a really big chunk of a lot of hockey on the way. Back-to-back matinee games this weekend. How about the surging New York Rangers coming in Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock at Wells Fargo Center. I can pretty much guarantee the environment at Wells Fargo Center this weekend is going to be electric. Rangers playing good. They've won eight straight. Flyers coming in, having won their last game, that 3-1 win over the Chicago Blackhawks. And then the Flyers, after the game, going to head right to Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Maybe an opportunity to put close to a final nail in the Penguins' 2023-24 season coffin. So a huge, huge weekend for the Flyers and a big week of hockey ahead. Uh, They'll come back to Wells Fargo on Tuesday, wrap up the month of February with a game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then Friday, they'll kick off the March schedule, 15 games in 30 days with Washington. And it's going to be a tremendously busy uh, month of hockey. And as we sit here on this date, on the 23rd of February, 2024, the Flyers right now, according to uh, the Money Puck playoff odds or playoff tracker, the Flyers in a great position right now to make the postseason. They have a 78.3% chance to make the playoffs as of this point. And that's a huge jump from the next team uh, that's got a chance, and that's Detroit at 51.6. Flyers' best chance, obviously, to stay in the top three in the Metropolitan Division uh, where they sit right now and in a very good spot to be able to to do that. They've got a little buffer. Yeah, it was a missed opportunity against the New Jersey Devils in the stadium series to make that, that gap between three and four. Of course, top three guaranteed to make the playoffs. Four then goes into the wild card pool in the Eastern Conference, uh, but the Flyers threw 57 games, 67 points in a good spot right now, seven points up on the Devils, who have played 55 games at the time of recording. Uh, so the Flyers in a very good position with that gap, but a lot of really big games on the horizon, a lot of Metropolitan Division games, and this time of year, it always gets a little tricky in the standings because you tend to see a lot more of those three-point games doled out games that go to overtime, especially divisional matchups. I think you'll see teams play a little differently in tight third-period games, especially against teams in their division, playing for a minimum of the point and maybe the two points. So I think you see that strategically at this time of year as well as this push to the playoffs is officially on. And like I said, Flyers in a very good position uh, to get there at this moment. And you know, some things are going to have to happen over the final stretch of this schedule. Now, the Flyers uh, have the 12th hardest uh, strength of remaining schedule. Their remaining schedule uh, points percentage of the opponents in the 25 games they have coming up is .562. For example, the team with the hardest remaining schedule is Buffalo with a points percentage of their 26 remaining opponents at .590. Uh, Toronto has the third hardest. Boston has the fourth hardest. Washington, the fifth. Uh, Pittsburgh's got the seventh at .567. New Jersey also .567. So some of the teams they're battling also with tough schedules. So the Islanders, for example, have a slightly 
easier schedule than the Flyers. Flyers at .562. The New York Islanders, 27 games played, .556 is the points percentage of their remaining opponents. The toughest opponents for the Flyers, here they are. The Florida Panthers twice, absolutely a cup contender. The Boston Bruins, two more times. They have the Rangers this Saturday and three more times total through the remainder of this season. Uh, the Flyers have Carolina one more time, Toronto two more times, and Tampa, including next week on Tuesday, uh, two more times as well. Some of the easier opponents, they get Chicago at Wells Fargo Center. They get San Jose at Wells Fargo Center. They have Columbus on the schedule, Ottawa, who's beaten the Flyers twice, uh, Montreal twice, and Buffalo. So a mixed bag, a lot of tough opponents in there. But what needs to go right for the Flyers to see this thing all the way through, uh, to see this thing to the playoffs? That's ultimately what matters. We've kind of done these check-ins periodically throughout this season and looked at, okay, what needs to happen for this team to have that success of landing a postseason playoff berth? First and foremost, I put together a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight total things. And where I start is here. And it's always the case for a team that's trying to make the playoffs. You need goaltending. Now, goaltending doesn't happen in a vacuum. Goaltending is also a product of uh, team defense and structure and the ability to kill plays and defend less, which we've talked about. The Flyers' save percentage uh, cumulatively as a team this season is not eye-popping. They've been better defensively, and they've defended less. Their team save percentage is only 902. Uh, you look at the, Sam Erson, who's played the most games in net for the Flyers at 31 games played, a 258 goals against average, and 900 save percentage, which is slightly below average in the NHL. Carter Hart played 26 games, had a 280 goals against average, and a 906 save percentage. And Cal Peterson, who's now played in four games, has an 890. So overall for the team, it's a 2.88 goals against average pretty low that's good but a 902 save percentage but the goaltending is gonna have to hold it's gonna have to be quality and it's gonna have to be both guys it's gonna have to be Arison for the most part turning in performances like he turned in against Chicago and it's gonna have to be Cal Peterson as well um, you cannot go through 15 games in the month of March and in 30 days and play just Sam Harrison. You'll play him right into the concrete. So it's going to have to be both of those guys. That's number one on my list of what needs to take place over the final seven weeks, 25 games of this NHL season. That's number one. Number two, the power play. The power play in total this year has been ugly. If you look at the total numbers, um, it just, in the beginning of the year, was absolutely abysmal and it was strange because the PK has been so good all year long one special team really good and the Flyers lead the NHL in shorthanded goals but they've got this in total this year the second worst power play the only team with a worst power play is the Chicago Blackhawks Flyers at 13.3 percent on the power play but of late it's been better and that's how you have to you look at things you can't go okay if we judge it on all games until now, it's not great, but how's it been of late? If you look at their past 29 games, they're clicking at about 18%. They, in, that, in that period, they've gone 15, 10, and 4. 
They've scored 85 goals. They've had 93 power play opportunities and have 14 goals. If they can keep that power play clicking anywhere between 17.5 and 20%, that's paramount. Have to. It cannot go back down into the 12, 13, 14%. That will be detrimental to them eventually being able to land a postseason gig. It has been better. It's been better with Jamie Drysdale at points. It's been better with Igor Zamula at points, uh, being that power play QB. They need to find a way to keep that power play in that 18 to 20 range for the remainder of the season. I'm not asking it to click at, you know, the top of the NHL percentages where you've got a team in Tampa that's clicking over 30%. That's not going to happen. But if you can get around that 20% for the remainder of these 25 games, that will help tremendously. PK has still got a hold. It's got to do what it's done all year. It's got to be your best element of your team from a special team's perspective. 86.5% now, number two in the league, only two-tenths behind the Los Angeles Kings for the top penalty kill percentage in the NHL. Couple that, obviously, with the 13 shorthanded goals. PK has got a hold. That's number three. PK has got to do what it's done all year, continue to provide some offense on the rare occasion, and be a strength of this team. PK is also goaltending, structure, and that four-man unit really creating problems for the opposition in the way they defend and the way they have that threat of getting up the ice and driving some offense out of it as well. Fourth thing is actually an individual player. Four and five are different individual players. Number four is Travis Konechny. He gets the goal, the game-winning goal in Chicago, gets the goal off the rush, two assists in the game uh, against uh, the New Jersey Devils. TK has been the leader for this team from the jump. He continues to be the leader of this team and the MVP as we sit here on the 23rd of February. In 57 games, 27 goals, 27 assists, 54 points, playing close to 20 minutes a night. He's got five shorthanded goals, three power play goals. He is second on the team in shots on goal. He is the straw that stirs the drink. So TK has got to continue it. I see no reason or no doubt in my mind that he will do exactly that. So to me, that is one of those things that needs to happen that I don't have any, any agita thinking it won't happen. Um, the next player, number five, is Joel Farabee. He is the team's second leading scorer with 43 points on the season in 57 games. He's got 17 goals, 26 assists, uh, two power play goals, and a guy that's playing uh, over 16 minutes a night. Farabee had that stretch of 23 games where he had 26 points. Uh, then he had the stretch of eight games where he only had two points, did end up with an assist in the last game. But he's got to be a guy, I, I think his game's been good. He's had a couple, even in that eight games where he didn't have any goals, he had just the two assists. He had two games in there where he had five shots on goal, another where he had four shots on goal. He was still generating and being a guy that drives offense. Uh, but we need Joel Farabee on that score sheet with goals and assists as well uh, down the stretch. You need to have a couple of guys up top in this lineup that you can pretty much pencil in for points. And Owen Tippett, I'll put it into the same category, has got to be a guy that's got some real drive in the games in the sense that when they go on the ice, they really put the opposition in a perilous place to defend them. Konechny is definitely one of those guys. Farabee 
is one of those guys needs to be it coming down the stretch and Tippett is another one that can really impact how a team has to defend when they're on the ice. And, and the good thing is, is sometimes all three of those guys are on different lines. So it really puts the opposition to a test. There's always a guy uh, in the, when your top three lines are on the ice that can go out there and give the other team a little anxiety. Uh, so that's got to be the case. The next thing is the 11 and 7. I don't think that the Flyers will be able to go through the month of March with 15 games in 15 days going 11 and 7. Two other teams have played 11 and 7 more than the Flyers this season. One of them is San Jose. Okay, they stink. The other one is Colorado. Some teams are more built to be able to do it. Flyers have had to do it out of necessity, but going through this entire month of March with 11 and 7, I don't think is a is a viable option. You can do it once in a while. We'll see how the trade deadline impacts it, but that's something that we'll need to resolve in this month of March. You're going to need to roll four lines on a lot of occasions when you're playing 15 games in 30 days, and you got opponents like Florida a couple times, like Tampa, Toronto a couple times, two times against Boston, another game against the Rangers. Uh, so you've got a tough schedule. You're going to have to be able to run 12-6. and six. That's going to be a part of the equation to get the Flyers to the postseason. How often can they do that and get away with it? Ideally, you wouldn't like to have to do it at all. But, we'll, again, we'll see how that plays out with health, with anybody that may be moved at the deadline or any acquisitions, and how that all kind of frames itself. But I don't think you can go through 15 games in 30 days running 11-7. and seven. It's just not viable. Next thing is how you handle opposition star players. Now, they handled Bedard the other night, and he's not at the level right now, not yet, he will be, of Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon or Leon Dreisaitl or David Pasternak or Nikita Kucherov or Artemi Panarin. He's not there yet. But you're going to see all of the guys I just mentioned with the exception of McKinnon down the stretch. You're still going to see Pasternak and Marchand when they face Boston. You're going to see Kucherov, Hedman, Braden Point, and Stamkos in the, in the multiple games you have against the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're going to see in this Ranger game Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, and Kreider, and Fox. You're going to see those guys. You're going to have to figure out a way to not let them burn you. You're going to see Austin Matthews and uh, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, and William Nylander in the multiple games you have remaining against Toronto. Got to find a way to not let those guys put a, a, a hole in the middle of the hull of your ship enough to sink it. You can take some shots from them, and they can get some points, but you cannot let them absolutely take over a game and beat you. You have to try and force the opposition to beat you with a weakness, and that's going to be awareness on the ice, detail in play, detail and diligence in defending, being on the right side of the puck, all of those things. You've got to control the damage that the star player from the opposition does. Because, again, we're going to see a ton of them down the stretch. It's just what's on the schedule. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, you're going to see those guys. And, look, some of them may get some points in some games, but you can't let them just take over a stretch like Austin Matthews took over in that game against Toronto with a natural hat trick. Or like McKinnon did or Kucherov did when the Flyers were in the midst of that five-game skid 
and they came in for three, four-point games. Can't let that happen. And Mika Zibanejad, Jesus. I mean, we cannot let him come in and, and have a six-point night for obvious reasons. If he's got six points, they scored six goals. It's just not going to win much when that happens. Now, the last thing is something they have no control over. This is number eight. Get a little help from the, the teams that are chasing you. The Devils have been incredibly erratic this season, up and down like a toilet seat. Uh, the Islanders, same thing, 3-3-3 three, three, and three since they've uh, hired Patrick Waugh as their head coach. They're sitting seven points back, two games in hand on the Flyers. The Capitals, I can't see the Capitals staying in this much longer. I've said that all year, though. They're minus 32 in goal differential, and the Penguins, yeah, I mean, you have an opportunity. You're going to see the Capitals coming up on March 1st. We're going to see the Penguins on Sunday. You need help from the teams that are chasing you, but you can also provide help and damage to the teams that are chasing you by making sure you come out with more points in those games than they get. So whether that's a win in regulation, you get two, they get none, or it's a, a win in overtime or a shootout, and they get one and you get two. So that's going to be a really big element coming down the stretch here as well. So again, the eight things that need to happen for the Flyers to eventually push this over the goal line after 82, they have the 78.93% chance to make the playoffs as we sit now. What do they need to do? The eight things are goaltending needs to hold, power play needs to be clicking at that 18 to 20% range for the remainder of the season, like it has over their last 29. The PK's got to hold and and also still provide some offense on the power kill. Konechny's got to keep doing what he's done all year. Farabee's got to be a little more omnipresent and consistent on the score sheet to match his play. The 11-7 and seven can't happen for the entirety of the month of March and into April. Uh, got to control the star opposition players and some help from the opposition teams and help that you provide yourself in regards to those opposition teams. Those are the eight I've come up with. If you come up with any, you can always shoot me an email. Jason at J-A-S-O-N dot Mertitus, M-Y-R-T-E-T-U-S at gmail.com. You can DM me on Twitter. You can drop a comment below here on the YouTube channel. Uh, love to hear your opinions on things that the Flyers need to do down the stretch to make that 78.3% chance, 100% that they're going to the NHL postseason. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode. We'll preview Flyers-Rangers coming up in tomorrow's Flyers Daily. So join us then. We'll be back tomorrow with yet another Brand new Flyers Daily.